filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. clarify some things uh after getting into some fun on twitter uh me and donald trying to have some fun make some jokes uh having some fun with with turning a report and we're going to talk about the report into uh just some fun memeing online just like you might you might do in more innocent times than these um and uh so donald posted a little uh, Star Wars, this is the way gif. Uh, ben Owen, shout out to Ben Owen. He had one as well. And I didn't have one because uh, I don't have Disney Plus. So I haven't seen these shows. So I can't make the reference. I, I didn't know if there even is a third one to throw in. Um, but what I do There is, have, by the way. Oh, there is. Oh, there is. Okay. There totally There's is. multiple. <laughs> I mean, this being the Star Wars universe, things repeat themselves. I, I feel like I could have found it if I had like five minutes of digging. Whole movies in some cases. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, so I didn't have the reference handy. Uh, so I had to do something else. So uh, what I did have is a metallic mask. Since these were uh, references to masked uh, people, uh, I was like, well, I, I got a metal mask. Um, now, I think they're called helmets, technically. Okay. Yeah. These are they our are helmets. helmets. <laughs> they are guys wearing helmets. So, helmets. okay. Yes. Uh, this is a helmet as well. One of them's a woman mask. wearing a helmet. I think one of the, I think Donald's gift may have been a woman wearing a helmet. Oh, I, I mean, again, I, I left off a, a long time ago with this. Um, <laughs> if I get Disney we're, Plus. Donald and I will go deep on the Mandalorian. At, oh, at we're, yeah, point, we're, we're team Mando. Um, at one point I will be caught up and it'll be like 10 years later than everyone else. And I won't have anyone to talk about it with because people will have moved on. Um, the Star yeah. Wars people don't move on. That's true. Um, but yeah, so what I do have, um, and depending on where you come at this, you might see it and say, Jason appears to have his own MF Doom mask, um, or Jason has a mask from the movie Gladiator, uh, or at least an attempt at... Or 300. <laughs> uh, yeah, or, or 300. It is more of a Gladiator mask. I'll, I'll spoil that right now. Um, and the reason I have this is years ago, uh, my fantasy football league started in like 2004, 2005. Um, and we did not have a trophy for a long time. And one year, uh, one of my friends who was always super into, like he, he cares the most about football. So therefore he cares the most. He, he considers himself the expert, but he would always come up second, uh, often to me. Um, which I did not, I was relentless in letting him know about because I was just looking at the players as like a series of numbers and data points. I just, I'm not into football. Um, and so he was like, I'm so happy. I'm going to, I, I won the league. Uh, I've got our winnings from our league. I'm going to go buy a trophy. And I was hanging out at his house one day, uh, and he came home. His his roommate, uh, me and me and him were watching a movie and he came, came home with this metal mask. And we're like, so Matt, what's a uh, what's the mask? He's like, oh, this is the trophy. Um, 
And so for no good reason, like we tried to get an explanation out of him as to why he went on eBay and bought a replica gladiator metal mask um, or helmet. Um, and he never could really explain it other than that he thought it was funny. Um, so this became our trophy uh, and it's, it does not fit. Uh, I, I want to specifically shout out um, Don uh, at SMC Ultra um, saying I should wear this during the podcast. Um, He's not. Really he refused. Yes. He lied uh, to you, Don. He lied. He's yeah, not doing well, it. I never lied because I never said I was going to. <laughs> um, I said I would address the issue on the podcast. Um, this this helmet is like I have a big head. Um, like I like. <laughs> If I buy a like winter hat off of a rack, uh, I, I I have one. I literally I can't wear it because it my it's so tight on my head. It actually causes me headaches if I wear it for more than like five minutes. I know um, that pain. So I got a huge head, um, but this thing is not designed for human heads uh, because this is maybe what you get for spending like fifteen dollars on eBay and hoping that the metal helmet just fits you magically. Is that it is too big. Um, it is too big by a lot. There's like a solid, like three quarters of an inch on all, like, if you look at the video, I'm holding it by one of the front, I don't know, helmet terminology, the front piece (laughs) that hangs down and I'm holding it in part because if I let it sit, like the eye, the eye holes would be where my cheeks are. Uh, the mouth, the mouth, my mouth would be blocked and the metal extended metal edges basically would be like, jabbing me in the chest and this thing is not safe quite frankly um there was a time where my friend phil had won the helmet and uh, i always tell told people when they had it when they got the helmet they had to put it in a place of pride in their household uh like put it up on the mantle put it up where your guests have to see it and the funny thing was that like people were getting married and having a stupid metal helmet on your mantle for example kind of hard one it's a hard sell your wife might not be into having this stupid metal helmet you might not be in having this stupid metal helmet out in front of everyone um but phil finally went through with it he put it in a place of pride but he had just moved into his his apartment he was having people over for a house or anything and he didn't have a proper mantle because it's an apartment um and so his solution was to balance it like the the front of it was balanced off the top of his tv and the back of it was resting against the wall um, which sounds precarious because it is. And <laughs> sure enough, at some point, someone bumped the TV just slightly and the thing like wobbled and fell off and no one was hurt. But like, it was one of those where it was like, boy, this thing actually could cut you. Like if it fell five feet on your foot, your foot would be bleeding. Um, and so this is why I am not wearing the helmet because it would be jabbing me in the chest and possibly be cutting me open slowly, but surely. <laughs> All okay, I hear Jason. is a lack of commitment to the bit. Okay, Jason, Jason, this is what needs to happen. You have to do this. I don't care if you say yes, but you have to commit to this. This is this is non-negotiable. When the season starts back up and you're in the press box, you have to show up one game with the mask. You have to show up with it and just walk first. around like nothing's going like nothing is abnormal. Like you don't have a big 30-pound size nine and a half helmet on your head. Like you have to walk around. You just have to carry on. You can wear a mask underneath. They won't notice because they'll be focused on the right. fact that you look like Russell Crowe from Gladiator. Now, now I'm thinking about the number of obstacles that I would have to, to get through to get to the press box to have this moment where I walk in and get the reaction. We, we all, I think we all, I, I agree, would be tremendous. Um, when you try and get in to uh, Audi Field, you have to go through metal detectors. And what I've found is that it's hard to even get like 
even as because media we get to bring some stuff in you can bring a computer in whereas if you go in as a fan they are not allowing you to walk in with a laptop um or even a backpack you can't bring those in which is kind of ridiculous that's different (laughs) this is a different thing we've been over that uh in the past um but yeah the security has has rejected a majority of the times members of the media have tried to bring like an umbrella in being like oh it's raining but it's hot out um, let me bring this umbrella so I don't have to walk back to my car and get soaked. And they're like, you can't bring umbrellas in. We don't care. Um, yeah, now normally there's a way, there is a way to take the helmet off, Jason. They, they, okay. You but can show them the inside of the helmet. Say there's I nothing in here think, except my dome. I do not think the fine folks that work, uh, security, uh, coming into Audi field, especially in the COVID era where they're just, you're not, it's not like they're overwhelmed with too many people and they just want to get you out of their way to get the line moving you're the only person that they're dealing with in that moment. And most likely they're going to be like, this is a sharp metal helmet. I don't know. I'm not allowing this in. Look, Jason, I learned this a long time ago. If you act like you're supposed to be there, <laughs> let you in. That's all you got to do. What I really need to do. Um, and, and maybe this is why I want to address this on the show. Uh, what I really need to do is get some like custom padding uh, put into the helmet so that it is wearable, um, which is an idea I've had for years, but I've never bothered actually going through with it. Um, it I, I'm not even the defending champion. Like I've got the helmet because the defending champion and actually the previous defending champion have not gotten it from me. Uh, one of those, I you can get, let them off the hook because of COVID. Uh, before that, no real excuse. That's just someone who did not bother to show up at things. Um, it's it's yours now. That's what that means. It's yours now. Right. So it sits in my room. It's been sitting in my room. Yeah. This is how Jason got into the U.S. Open Cup. He he got to keep the trophy. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Um, so, yeah, if if you want to, if you are an extravagantly wealthy person who wants to do something stupid with your money, uh, get in contact with me and I will find out how much it gets cost to get like hockey style padding put on the inside of the helmet. Uh, so that it's custom to me, so that not only are you helping this bit along, um, because then it becomes wearable. Uh, now, then it becomes a potential thing you actually we could could actually pull off, maybe, or at least look, try. But the look, other but thing is that you'd be wronging several of my friends because the helmet would not fit them; it would fit me, and they would look, be very upset about it. We don't care about your other friends. friends. We don't care about <laughs> your other friends. Look, Ar- Arnie the Armadillo resides at Audi Field. Okay. If he can do that, then the Jason Lorian can also be <laughs> at Audi Field. That's just, I mean, get some plaster, way. plaster your head. It, this is the way. You go, we're going to make this work. <laughs> hey, hey, welcome in. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Jason's got a big old dome and a helmet podcast. <laughs> I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson. This week, special, we have Donald Wine II also joining us. We're all from blackandredunited.com where we talk about DC United. Um, and that's, that's what we're talking about for this first segment tonight. Ben is on assignment, by the way, he, he, uh, he's unable to join us tonight, but I'm sure he'll be back next week. Um, tonight we've got some DC United news, rumor, speculation to, to get through. And then in the second segment, we're going to be featuring Donald here talking about black history month before we do anything though, Donald, what are you drinking tonight? So last, well, I guess a couple of weeks ago, I ordered uh, a dual pack of whiskey from Republic Restoratives. Um, one is the Madam, uh, which is the one that features uh, our new vice president, Kamala Harris. And so that is what I'm drinking today. I, I also got the Purpose Rye with uh, with the engraving on it that says I'm speaking. 
which is also pretty cool. Very, very good. Uh, so I highly recommend those. They're pretty expensive, but you know, if you're going to be drinking them, like just kind of sipping it out of a glass, it's definitely worth your while. I think I was drinking Madam last week on this show. In fact, yeah. nice. um, I, they, they had sold out of the engraved um, bottles, so I didn't get the, the match set. Uh, I just got the the Madam, but it's good stuff. And and Republic Restoratives is a, a good little distillery up there in Ivy City. Highly recommend. Uh, I kind of backed my way accidentally into almost a Kentucky Flyer cocktail. Um, I was like, I have bourbon. Don't really just want a, a Manhattan or an old fashioned. Uh, and I look at my bar and I'm like, oh, I have some maraschino liqueur. Let's let's throw that in there and some Peychaud's bitters. Why not? And it's it's not quite right. It's not totally balanced and i like i'm like what would this even be and so i i get on google i'm like okay bourbon and maraschino and they're like kentucky flyer bourbon or rye um maraschino liqueur and lemon juice and it's like yeah some acid would help this that that would do it so um i'm i'm halfway to a kentucky flyer i don't know what this would would be uh kentucky something kentucky jumper maybe okay (laughs) so that that's what i'm calling it i got there Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I wanted you, you mentioned something acidic uh, to to break things up. Uh, it's it's gross right now, at least uh, in my neck of the woods. Like, got a lot of uh, what used to be snow and is now just moisture in the ground, so everything is muddy, um, and the sky is gray all day, and it's not great. Uh, I'm not enjoying that. On top of like, you can't go places and see people because uh, that's not safe. And then also the world is brown or gray, and that's it. Um, so it's not a lot of fun. Uh, and so I wanted to brighten things up. I, I think I did kind of a thing like this recently where I just had like a summer drink in the middle of winter, and I'm doing it again. I've got a um, – I don't really know if this is a thing because it's not a gin and ton- – or a, a vodka tonic because it's not tonic. Um, but I got some some grapefruit LaCroix. And I threw in some lemon juice and some lime juice to get like a citrus, a citrus medley going uh, and threw some vodka in there. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. Uh, A little citrus medley vodka thing that is very refreshing and would be very good in the summertime, except, you know, the summertime feels like it's 30 years away right now. Summertime is a state of mind. (laughs) Ask Will Smith. (laughs) If we ever get back to Audi Field, I feel like there should be Adam, a, a, a cocktail, co- cocktail we, tailgate or something. We had a long thing on the show about how the song of the summer is Music Sounds Better With You by Stardust. And I don't want to rehash that, but by you saying I should ask Will Smith, he's not part of Stardust. Um, the song he's not, but he has a song called show. Summertime. Yes. No, I'm, a, he, I'm well aware. Uh, Adam is right. Adam is he, right. You must uh, consult the Will. Jason, with your helmet... You could fit right in with, <laughs> with Stardust, or at least um, with half of Stardust. So, well, and I also, I well, I feel like the helmet also makes me more likely to be confused by like as like a background character in a movie, um, which means I could also have a better chance, I think, of interacting with Will Smith wearing the helmet than without. Because without, he's me like, I don't know that guy. He doesn't look like he belongs in a movie. But if I'm just like wearing a helmet in the background, it's cool. The extras they got costumes, I get it. I, I can't wait no for Jason to be in season three. was going to tie together <laughs> so many Jason bits all in one. Yeah, we got a lot. Uh, Someone's going to have to be taking a deep dive into this podcast to, to, to get into a lot this of this. Like, <laughs> this is like a Marvel Cinematic Universe level of connection between all the Jason bits. It's if like Jason's personal Avengers is that helmet. If the you're JCU. Attached, 
if you're attached <laughs> to the Mandalorian and want to start gets the JCU started, uh, and you don't want to like, I can send you every episode of this podcast. I have them on an external hard drive. Uh, it would be very easy for us to get started on this uh, this project that now I think I have to commit to. Um, so this is what I'm doing. Mr. Favreau, Mr. Filoni. Um, yeah. Hit, hit us up. Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Please, <laughs> please, for the love of God, please hit us up. Uh, this might be one of our longer um, opening segments ever, but I think it was worth it. Um, getting into DC United now, Hernan Losada has arrived in the district and, and so begins the new era for DC United. He did a... Uh, Q&A today with season ticket holders, uh, during which the subject of depth and the need for more signings came up, something we discussed with him on this podcast during our interview just a couple weeks back. If you haven't, go back and listen to that. We'll be here when you get back. That's definitely something you should you should listen to, though. But as if on cue, Pablo Maurer of The Athletic, uh, our old friend, is reporting tonight, Tuesday night, as, as we record, that DC United are in early talks with an unidentified under 23 player that Losada specifically identified and wants for a young designated player spot on DC United. And so to, to paraphrase Tobias Funke, let the great speculating begin. <laughs> this is actually the way this is where this whole thing, the whole show got started with this uh, rumor. Um, and yeah, uh, Look, the the young money rule, uh, which is what it should be called. I know MLS isn't calling it that, um, but Sam Stachel and Paul Tenorio got it right. And I feel like we should just – sometimes when people get it right, you just accept that they got it right. Um, Yeah, that's – it's exciting. Uh, You know, the the fact that it's – that that rule means that you can spend unlimited money on a player. Now, I don't know if DC United doesn't seem like a team that's spending unlimited money on things for the most part these days, but – get like it could be someone whose salary is still under the TAM threshold right but right. the transfer fee is going to be bigger and normally under MLS rules that transfer fee gets amortized over the length of the contract of the first contract yeah that's... and under the young DP rule the acquisition costs don't count at no, all what or I'm under, saying under though... the young money rule sorry I'm not worried about them count. counting against anything what I'm saying is like is the team going to spend in the stratosphere that maybe we're hoping because this is ex- it's the first really exciting player acquisition news because this off season has been about like players. We kind of know, um, you know, Jake O'Green coming up from Loudon or using the uh, uh, I can't even remember which MLS mechanism it was where uh, Adrian Perez was signed um, has not been a busy players coming in off season for DC United. Um, and so this is the first thing where it's like, that's a big, potentially big move. Um, I don't want to get people thinking that we're talking Atlanta level eight figures. Um, but you can, you can do some, some pretty, some pretty big damage, uh, on the, the high end of your roster with the players that this rule is designed to go get, because if these players are to be sold, the whole rule is to get players that play here, do well, and then get sold for more money, uh, to someone that has more money. Uh, and that kind of player is a player that's going to necessarily be exciting and making an impact straight away. So, um, you know, we're, we're pretty short on details as to what position, what style, you know, we don't really know much anything, but, um, I am very glad to hear that DC is getting close to using this rule. I think they need to use it 
on a regular basis. Uh, I yes. think the the path for DC really needs to go this route much more than the Wayne Rooney um, slash Mesut Ozil slash other guys that are in their 30s route. Because if the team becomes a consistent winner, the attendance will keep coming back. We've seen this town has proven that. When the team does well, people show up. And they even show up like a couple of years after. Like if you suddenly fall off a cliff, they'll keep showing up yeah. for like a year or two. Like you guys were attendance good, right? Attendance is a trailing indicator, but it catches up more quickly than right. it falls off usually. Right. And, you know, you might get that for a year or two out of Wayne Rooney. But even in 2019, as soon as the team had a whiff of maybe they're not that good, uh, attendance started to drop. People figured it out real quick, and they'd already come and seen Wayne Rooney once. You're getting that tourism bump where it's like, well, I'm going to go see Wayne Rooney. And they're not there for DC United. They're there for this, you know, European superstar. And that's fine. It's good that you want to come out, but that's not a permanent thing. Being a winning team is a permanent thing, and that will get people in in the, the stadium. And this kind of rule could become a way to become a regular contender. And then not only are you making money by selling developing and selling players but you're also getting you're making money because there's just more people showing up at your games buying your new jersey for example um and you know everyone wins. everyone's happy yeah i think when it comes to this you know i was talking with the two guys you know very well marcel hilly and, and josh gansler we talk about this quite a bit and what we've been talking about is that this offseason with the exception of the guys you mentioned jason the guys that we've really been rumored to be targeting have been guys that we know, guys that have played on the team before, Rodney Wallace, uh, Andy Nahar, and then Lucho, which I know we'll get into in a minute. But at the same time, while we love those guys and they're part of the, the, the tradition, they're part of the legacy of this team, it doesn't show imagination. It doesn't show that you're trying to go into a new direction. The new direction is going back to try and rekindle the old flames where this new rule is designed to kind of bring in some new guys, bring in some fresh talent, develop them, have in, in, in the process, you're gaining fans who latch onto these new players and say, Hey, I like what this new kid can do. I like the young guy and I want to see him blossom and grow. And as we've seen, you know, if our guys go abroad, then we follow them in in the, in the rest of their career, and they're they're de- they're black and red for life. They even if they go to another team. So, I think with this, it's great. I I don't know who, you know, they would be going after. My guess is, you know, just based on recent you know transactions from Major League Soccer in this area, it's South America, probably Argentina. Yeah. Um, that's what so, makes the most sense. That's what makes the most sense. But I mean, for us, like you know, we have a lot of areas that we could probably tap into like Peru, like maybe could be an option for us. Bolivia obviously has been uh, a go-to for us in the past, but I think when it comes to this, the idea is get some guys that are young allowed to form a young core with some of the young kids that we do have in Paredes and, and Jacob green and, and Nyman and, and, and Griffin, like get those guys and make them become some of the centerpiece. Like Paul Ariola, like, you know, love him, but he, he may not come back. Right. Edison Flores, yeah. he may he may not be the guy that we thought he was. And it's not to say that they that we don't hope they will be, but I think the future of this team is in this young core. And if we can build around it with other young talent that is going to kind of make make names for themselves and bring in new fans as they do it, that's what we're all talking about here. That's how we get to a hundred thousand shirts sold. That's how we have, you know, people waiting in line for for papooses and arepas and, and beers and, and 
having the Heineken lounge full and the FanDuel lounge, whatever that's open, that's going to be full of people. You want people coming back to Audi Field. And this is, in my opinion, the way to do it. Yeah, I mean, you remember hearing about how, how during the, the Lucho saga, how DC is kind of a, I don't love the word, but discerning soccer market. Like we talked about it before the show where DC is always in the top two, maybe three on a bad week markets for international soccer, for the Premier League, for national team games, men's and women's. And yet DC United is not a, a huge team in MLS as far as support. And how do you get that? And the answer is by by making DC United a team that taps into the world of soccer, the, the whole world of soccer, and by winning games, making DC United good. And you guys are right. This is how this is how you do it. Uh, they brought in Lucho Acosta when he was still pretty young. He was, what, 21 when he came? Yeah, something that, like that. Yep. That would be young DP territory. Uh, in fact, he may have been a young DP when he first signed. Um, when he was on loan, and that Paul almost resulted when in... he signed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Acosta, you know, nearly went to PSG. Things went downhill from there when that fell through. I'm not going to get into the actual, but but, but they were dealings at the table of it, but, talking about that kind of but, deal. But they were at the table with PSG. They got a right. it, they, they got flown to Paris. Like, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good step. It didn't work. They didn't they didn't capitalize on it, but they you know, they had found a good signing and it, it almost worked out incredibly well. And now Paul Ariola has on loan with a top of the championship team playing for a spot in, in the premier league. Um, Involved in a goal are, against man city. Yeah. Uh, a consolation goal in the FA cup, but well, he was, maybe they should have started. Goal. Maybe they should have yeah, started. It's true. Him. It's true. <laughs> the, their, their goal differential with him on the field was much better than, than without him. So his plus minus is great. It's just math <laughs> at that point. Um, my first thought when I heard about the young DP uh, from, on, in Pablo's tweet was someone from Bearscoat or, or someone in Belgium. And there's some good young players in Belgium, like 17 million euro rated players right. there. But given the, na- the position of MLS and how the, the young money rule is is kind of um considered i think and and it's the basis it's unlikely someone's going to come over from belgium to yeah. try to win a bigger contract back in europe which would be the goal is to go to a bigger and bigger yeah. league and bigger bigger team um you're not going to come here from club bruges at the top of the pro league in belgium to try to you know put yourself in a shop window for a move to spain that yeah. that doesn't make a this lot is- of sense that to, to your point, this is why we see guys from the league making moves to like the Austrian league, which is not better than MLS. It just happens that like, yes, Red Bull Salzburg might be able to win MLS if they were to just play in this league. It's the rest of the teams in that league would probably be struggling. Um, they're but they're in the are, supermarket. They're, yeah. they're, they're hoping to catch you hungry in the supermarket. Yeah. You may be there to get, you know, chips and dip. But you go down the cereal aisle, and I'm sitting right there, like, "Yo, you're gonna be hungry for breakfast." That's that's how you go over here. If you go over here, so you could be seen easier, yes. Because on their way to whatever they're trying to get, they make a pit stop, and they go, "Huh, yeah, this guy too." Right. There's a reason so many young or so many stars have come through the the Belgian and the Dutch leagues 
in particular, it seems like on their way to the Bundesliga or or the Premier League because they're easy to see there. So it doesn't make sense for one of them to come over, even though that's where Losada's most recent network is. He's from Argentina, though. He knows a lot of people in Argentina. Brought over an assistant that was uh, there's one rumor. I don't know how solid it is, but. There's this rumor in Belgium where Nicolas Frutos, who's going to be, I assume, the top assistant uh, for Lozada. Um, I don't actually, we don't actually know the dynamics of how the assistant coaches are going to work, but like he's worked with Lozada for a couple of years. Um, but yeah, there was a rumor that he might have been in the running to be the head coach at Independiente uh, in Argentina. So um, again, I don't know how solid that is. We all know about rumors uh coming from europe and or from south america things can be people can make things up um but yeah uh we shouldn't necessarily like i mean like losada said himself um he has been in belgium for a long time but that doesn't mean he's ignored what's going on elsewhere um and so this is this is one of the benefits is that the network you can develop uh you know calling people that you played in the academy with you know, at, at 17, 18 years old, and they went on to play professionally in Argentina, and you ended up in Belgium, you can still make that phone call and be like, hey, man, a uh, long time no see. What's what's uh, what's going on? Who do you know that might be a worthwhile player at? Or, you know, or what nine? can you tell me about this player that I yeah, who, uh, highlights like, from? Who's a good center back? I've only got like three uh, right now, and my, my team might want to play with three, so what do I do? I want to have that flexibility. And they're like, you know what? I happen to know like a ton because I'm in Argentina coaching soccer right now. Um, and so yeah, this I, right. is the kind of thing that this is, this pathway did not exist previously, or at least it wasn't as open. We're going to get honestly, con- oh, go ahead. Honestly, I, I think it's good to hear that we are at least not, you know, giving up the arms race that is young talent in the league to Atlanta and Seattle and, you know, other places and Miami or something like that we could go after these places too, because honestly, when you're thinking about Europe, we can sell ourselves. In fact, that say, Hey, when you think of the, when, when all these teams are coming over to view major league soccer talent, they're not coming to find Atlanta. They know about Atlanta, but when you think of the United States, you think of New York, LA, DC, one of those top three, Mm -hmm. we want to be that pinnacle. And even for some of them, if you want to, go to Atlanta or Miami to scout talent, you have to stop here to get there. So <laughs> again, get to the supermarket. If we have, if we're part of this deal where we have some guys too, you say, Hey, why you have, why you're on layover? Why don't you pop over to Audi field and check this guy out? You might, you might not need to take that second leg. Like that's the idea here. And I, I'm glad that we're not come down. Yeah. I'm, yeah. You miss your flight. It's, I mean, honestly, it's the same way when the NFL looks at coaches, they say, don't let them get back on the plane. Whatever coach you're bringing in to interview, if you like him, make sure he doesn't get back on the plane. This is the idea. We'll have guys come and they stop over here and we say, hey, you don't need to get back on that plane. We have <laughs> enough guys here for you that you can just turn around and go right back with these guys to Europe. You can see the stadium from the airport if you're in the right part of the airport. Yeah, if you're at DC. When you land. You, when you yeah. land. Like even from the terminal, sometimes you can see, yeah. see the top of you, it. It's easy. Come on, come hang out. So going back to Losada and the the season ticket holder Q and A today, there was a, a question about what team in in Belgium American fans should be watching now that now that the the pro league is on uh, ESPN Plus, and he actually got real excited to talk about a, a small team that whose name I didn't even catch because I was just watching him. Um, 
And he was real excited talking about their German coach and how they, they play a style that's kind of similar to his and they punch above their weight and they have this and that going on. And he was just so into it. And he talked about on, in our interview about how soccer is his passion. And so like seeing this, it was like, oh, he, he wasn't lying. He, he really does mostly just want to watch soccer all day, every day. Um, and so I have no doubt that he has, he has a line on, um, on people and on, on players in Argentina. Cause he just wants to watch, talk, live, breathe, sleep soccer. So, um, it'll be, I I'm excited to see who it is and, and if DC United can get it done, um, and how they do. So there, there's lots of questions, lots of wild speculation we could be doing, but instead we're going to, uh, go back to Lucho Acosta, who we talked about briefly earlier. Uh, Sounds like from, again, Pablo Maurer of The Athletic, Lucho is on his way to Cincinnati, most likely. He, they, they've been pursuing him. He's at Atlas, which is a train wreck of a team in Liga MX. And, uh, As ever. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just their role. That's who they are. Yes. Um, when they first signed Lucho, they were playing him on the wing. That's, that's their team. That's who they are. <laughs> He's playing in the middle again now, but there's no, not a lot of people around him. He's making a couple of million a year. They want to get him off of their books. So Cincinnati's like, hey, no transfer fee. And reportedly, they may have been like, hey, no transfer fee. Take him. But DC United still have his rights in MLS. So Cincinnati's going to have to pay some Garber bucks and or other assets for those rights. It sounds like they're getting close from what Pablo was saying on Twitter. So we'll see if that, that gets done. I'm not looking forward to Lucho playing for another team and Honestly, uh, if it comes down to it, if if we are back in stadiums when Cincinnati comes to Audi Field and he's playing for them, I might have to sell my tickets because I don't know if my six-year-old can handle seeing Lucho playing for another team. I don't know if I can. I'm sure my <laughs> six-year-old can't. Look, he's going to beat the brakes off us the first time he's he gonna, plays. He's going to destroy us. <laughs> He, he's going he's to. Gotta, you got to score five in that game to get points because he's going to come yeah. out with, in the full like Dragon Ball Z uh, mode. Super for Saiyan, yeah, yeah. It's going to be. Brutal. I'm just thinking Dero levels of of. Yes, that's a revenge. perfect parallel. You know, yeah, just like Dero, it's going to be like guys, I'm back, and like, yeah, I know how it's going to go, and he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, as long as you know, I'm going to score a 20 minute hat trick. Just hold on. <laughs> <laughs> when this rumor first came about last week, we were we were talking and, and we were basically like just talking about how bad he was going to destroy us. I think I said he would drop three goals and three dimes in the first half and yep. walk off the field at halftime to a standing ovation. Like, dude is going to absolutely love tormenting us. And I'm sure they were like, and we won't even be mad about it. Like, yeah, I'm sure they were like, hey, we're Cincinnati. He was like, where? He goes, we played DC twice. He goes, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there were uh, early reports when this news first broke, or the story first broke, that DC United were interested in reacquiring him as well. He would be a DP at $2 million a year because um, he's not going to take a, a big pay cut to come back to MLS. There's no reason for him to. Uh, so if, if DC United is actually interested, it would be real fun to see him come back. I don't know if he could uh, perform at the at least consistently at the levels of the back half of 2018, which is, it might be above his actual ceiling just because everyone was playing out of their mind for that run. But he, even uh, when he wasn't at that level, he could be real fun to watch. His first couple of years in the league were nothing but sauce. And it was Mm -hmm. real fun. 
like juggling a player and doing a, a scorpion back heel to himself on the sideline to set up a, a run on goal. Yeah. That, like uh, RIP Jack Barnby yeah. um, <laughs> getting the back heel nutmeg yeah. uh, that I still maintain means that Jack Barnby's soul has never been back in his body since then. He's yeah. just stuck roaming the earth without a soul <laughs> and all the misery that, that comes with that. He had to retire. His soul had to retire. <laughs> I'm sure his soul was linked with another, like from another life. So they had to go back to that life and go, Hey, yeah. by the way, you we're in 20, it. we're in 2018 right now. You have to retire. <laughs> yeah. just you just got to hang it up at that point. Yeah. Um, but like as, as much like fun as Lucho was, and we do know what the absolute ceiling uh, of a Lucho uh, as an individual can do, which I mean, that 2018 season statistically is like, right up there with anything Marco Echeverry did. Um, I don't think Lucho was as good as Marco Echeverry, but like just on pure production, he did have one Echeverry level season, um, which is wild. Uh, but, you know, in Mexico, it hasn't really worked. So we're now talking, you know, 2019 and, or I'm sorry, 2020 was just, it. we, we got a long track record where it just didn't work. And in 2019, it didn't really work for Lucho either. Um, and we know that there are there are some red flags there. Uh, I don't Cincinnati know Cincinnati being one of them. Yeah, Cincinnati's talent evaluation uh, is not the best, and the fact that they're willing to spend to to pay his wages doesn't necessarily mean that that he is worth those wages in MLS to a team that's trying to run that's trying to you know get restarted. We're kind of in a reboot phase, and he's not. This is no longer the Lucho in his early 20s this is Lucho he's hit his prime one of his prime years he just spent playing in Mexico putting up like it's like three goals one assist for like a full year of soccer um yes Atlas is bad I'm sure none of like a lot of this is not really Lucho's fault it's just that Atlas is Atlas that's just they're cursed to be like this all the time um but at the same time uh the more I thought about it the more firmly I came down on like you know, the idea of saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we're interested in bringing him back too. Uh, that's a let's try and drive this uh, asking price up a little bit. Um, let's get some more gam out of Cincinnati when they eventually make the deal, um, which I think is the soundest strategy here because I think DC's got attacking players. We don't know how Lozada wants to line them up, so I don't want to talk about formations, but you've got a few guys that can play that role that are maybe going to be a little more consistent and reliable in terms of their willingness to press in the at the pace that I think Lozada wants, which is going to be a harder press than we've seen, uh, even in DC's you know most fun and more front most front foot uh, stretch of time. Um, they were never really a withering high press team because like Wayne Rooney and Lucho do not have the speed to be that team. Um, right. So they They're were smart. Selective press team. Yeah, it was it was intelligent, but it was not. The, the pace just wasn't there. And there's some things you cannot do if guys can't run that fast. Um, and I think he places limits on how you're going to play the game in a way that I wouldn't want to do that to a new coach coming in who is like, has been open about like, he's like, I'm not even sure what our formation looks like right now. Um, yeah, he's so also a guy who slows the game down when he's on the ball. He's, he's a guy who wants to dribble right. at a guy, maybe set him up for a dribble and go one-on-one uh, or or maybe cycle it around if that doesn't work and and try it again. He I, he 
was not always a, a fast break kind of player, which is I think that kind of downhill thing is what Losada wants. So I think when it comes to Lucho, and I don't mean this in a in a mean way whatsoever, because I really love Lucho and loved that he was in black and red for quite a while. I wonder what his motivation is. Because as you mm-hmm. enter your prime, like when he came here, he came and he wanted the ball out so that he could because he figured that going to Europe from here would have been easier than going to Europe from Argentina. So he came up here, he balled out, he almost made it work. It fell apart at the last, literally last second. And he kind of went into a tailspin motivation wise and just, you know, sheer whatever. Uh, and, and it led to him leaving. He went to Mexico because Mexico, you could still have a pathway to get to Europe. It didn't work out. So now he's in his prime. And he's at an age now that going to Europe is much harder mm-hmm. because he's older. They're not, he's not the 23-year-old anymore that has promise and upside. He's a guy in his prime that you know what you're getting when you sign him. So if he's going to Cincinnati, is he going to just ball out and just be like, hey, I'm going to use this to go back to Argentina? Or am I going to use it to pull, carve out a career in Major League Soccer? Or is he going to use this to go springboard, try and springboard for one last shot at getting to Europe? And so I think that's where where the if come in, right? Like no matter where he ends up, if it, even if it's here, right? If, if we say last minute, like, yo, we really want him, like screw your thing, we'll take him. Uh, the motivation, what is his motivation going to be? Because we've seen what those varying degrees of motivation translate to on the pitch. When he's clearly motivated to do do things to help the team win and for him to get his profile up, he was balling. When he realized that it was not going to happen, his his you know, his motivation, his just uh, just all out demeanor kind of diminished. And because of that, his play diminished. So uh, I'm really curious to see what Lucho Cincinnati will get, because if they get a motivated Lucho, it could be a steal. But if they get one that's kind of depressed and in the in the in the mood of, you know, I'm just kind of languishing here until I figure out what to do. It's not going to be a great acquisition for him. Yeah, it's also the pieces around him, right? Like he he was at a he's of a quality that he can become stratospheric when he has someone like Wayne Rooney around him to help manipulate space and, and work runners and, and share a brain with him. Brenner, the, the young DP that Cincinnati backed the Brinks up Brinks truck up for. um, I know he scores a lot of goals in the box. I don't know if he's the, the all around guy that or player that Wayne Rooney is, which I mean, that's, that's the bar we know for that that absolutely will set Lucho free. There's probably some level of player below that that will similarly take advantage of his talents. I don't know if Brenner, a, that young of a guy, is going to be that. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. And I don't know if if DC United currently has anybody who would who would be at that level either. So ultimately, I say I say take the money, take take the Garber bucks. Um, as much as I love Lucho, and There's- I do there's so much flexibility in taking the money and there's a, not a lot of flexibility. If you bring Lucho back, yeah. um, you are kind of boxed into doing certain things, certain ways, having a certain position definitely built into your formation. Yep. Um, whereas you take the money, you've still got a lot of freedom. And I feel like right now uh, we, we aren't far enough down the road where we should say, this is what you have to do to make a Hernan Lozada team succeed. We are instead in more of the like, hey, man, get the feel of the kitchen, pick out the ingredients you like, and and we'll let you cook, you know. But if we come in and be like, here, uh, we're having chicken. 
make some chicken. Uh, that's not really letting him cook. That's just telling him make some chicken. Um, so yeah, I think right now give him some flexibility. Let the man see, let's see what he can do when he doesn't have X, Y, and Z constraints. I mean, there's already enough constraints if we're being honest. This is a team that is kind of constrained talent-wise from a starting point. There's a lot of talent, doesn't really fit together. Let's not exacerbate that potentially by rolling the dice. Lucha is a risk in a way that I think DC can avoid and should. Yeah, the the upside is somewhat limited, I think, for, for him I right mean, now. And, and I, I want to also acknowledge that, you know, like Donald said, there is a chance that Lutra comes in and goes crazy for Cincinnati um, and becomes like a hero in that town, uh, finally making that team not MLS's ultimate banter club. Um, that could happen. Like, I, I'm not, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility. It's just that, you know, we we got enough question marks here. I don't want to gamble again in in this way let's let, let's not gamble this time all right we are going very long on this segment so i'm going to call it right now we'll be right back to talk about the new shirt and to talk black history month please stick around it's black it's what is it it's filibuster filibuster is the name of the podcast <laughs> yeah all right say you're at work and uh something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh to assert your rights in that situation whether a boss mistreated you you were fired unfairly uh or 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 something worse happens ben in the district of columbia and northern virginia you know who to call right yeah you call the ehrlich law office because you have rights that's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster the black and red united podcast guys let's talk about the new alternate kit the marble jersey that DC United released last week. Um, it's, uh, it, you know, I, I if you're listening to this show, you've already seen what it looks like. I don't need to describe it. Um, Donald, jump in. Okay, feet, so up. do it. Woo. There's a lot to talk about with this. Okay, so first of all, when I initially like saw the mock-ups of what it was, what it could be, or what it was kind of going to look like, and just kind of the motif, we got into this discussion. That I think a lot of people out there got into the same discussion about Washington versus DC. There's a reason why this team is not called Washington United. It's called DC United. It's catering to the community of which we live here, and we we are DC. We we may be Washingtonians, but this is the District of Columbia. It's not Washington. Washington is for everyone who comes here. And we are in the most unique situation of any city in the world because everyone in America considers this city theirs. But it's ours. 
And the team that we support, we hope, reflects that point. I think the jersey itself missed the mark on that because it caters more to the Washington side of things. And and don't get me wrong. Love the mall. Love the, the motif. But when I think Washington, D.C., when I think the district, I don't think marble. I don't think the marble of the steps. I don't think the marble of, you know, parts of the Washington Monument. I think D.C. And there's a lot of things that are very D.C. centric that we have embraced as a city that resident that represents the residents and makes it so that we could do something that ties into that imagination and captures the heart of the people that we're trying to capture. Having said that, the rollout of everything has been fantastic. The video has been great with, you know, people like Rahul from Swan Street, who lives just down the street from me. Uh, I don't need to, you know, indulge you with the story of what happened there. But the fact that he's in there, the fact that Mrs. Ali is in there, who can be in any video she wants, because she she has earned that right. To have people like that in the video, that, that speaks to the DC part of things. The video itself kind of captured the heart of DC. You know, the cherry, even the pictures have cherry blossoms in them. We'll get to that. I know we'll talk about that, but (laughs) that's what we, that's what we crave. We crave a DC Jersey that is DC. And I think there were elements of this that could have been that, but I think first of all, having the white Jersey in the marble and focusing on that when it's not inherently apparent, unless you violate social distancing that's inconsistent. And I think that's where I really get stuck with it. I, you know, we'll talk about the badge. I think the badge was fine. It, even though it doesn't tie in, I think if there was something to link it all together, there's a lot of elements to this Jersey. And I don't think they all tie together in a way that you can look at and say, this is a Jersey that represents our team, that represents our district, represents us as people, represents us as fans. And I think that is where there are other avenues they could have gone that would have gone closer to to making the mark. And I'm not saying they have to be perfect. And I'm not saying they have to always do exactly what we tell them to do cherry blossoms, but <laughs> they do have to kind of get to the point where we can say, yeah, when I put this Jersey on and I'm walking into Audi field or I'm walking even, even more important when I'm walking into an away stadium on an away day that I can wear that Jersey and people will look at it and say, that man represents DC United. That man is, a, is from DC. That man is not here to play. This man is here to get three points. And I think this jersey misses that. There are elements that could be used to further that, but I just don't think it's very consistent with the messaging. The video, however, the, the rollout and the right. pictures and how they presented it, very much on point with what we're looking for. Yeah, Claudia uh, and and Xavi with, with the team's uh, communications, media, creative side, and Ian, yeah. uh, they, they knocked it out of the park. They did such they, phenomenal work on that. Honestly, they... they they improved my opinion of the kit. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Uh, which, you know, I don't they know. They did their jobs. <laughs> we, we, and we've seen some reporting about how jerseys get made in MLS and how, in a lot of cases, local control is is being reduced. And Adidas is more like, here are our ideas, pick one. Um, which is bad, and I don't like it. And it's that's probably how you end up with a – I fully agree with Donald that this is a jersey for Washington. Um, which, you know, this is where I've been my whole life. So I'm very keenly, I'm very keen about being like, that's a Washington thing. That's not a DC thing. I know about these things. Um, and yeah, this was definitely a Washington Jersey that someone at Adidas HQ that maybe has visited town once, if that came up with, they're like, oh, DC, they got monuments. Just take a look. 
just take a look at the reaction. Okay. If you take a look at the reaction of people who aren't from here or don't support the team from the outside looking in like, man, DC had a pretty nice Jersey. And everyone who lives here was like, "Mm, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is by by what I mean by they improved my opinion of it is because we were talking about this the night before there was a tease. They, they dropped that teaser image with a blurry blue and, and red. I thought it was the badge which uh, I think I've talked about on this show. I don't think your badge should change for anything. I don't care what your color or your kit is. You know, if we get Adam's dream of like your, your away kit is just completely wild. That's fine. The badge has to be the badge, the badge You get one badge. It's gotta, it, because otherwise it like your colors are your the, colors, right? All of this stuff is us, is us placing meaning on something like it doesn't have inherent meaning on its own. Like as an image, it doesn't mean anything unless we decide it means something. And if you just change the colors, like we see in, especially in Europe, um, you know, when I watch Man United and they're wearing, uh, I, I watched uh, Kristen Press's last game for Man United's women, and they're wearing the coat with, it's like, it's like uh, olive green with orange and the badge is olive green with orange. That is not Manchester United. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but at the same time, they have, they have brand recognition. Oh yeah, they've like, got a different. If I wear that situation. jersey, you know it, man. You like the thing yeah. about Major League Soccer is no team, absolutely no team right. in this league, including us, even though we started it, no team has the brand recognition they can be changing into monochrome or or having wild color badges where people can go, oh yeah, there's still a DC United jersey. That is the part about if you want to build the brand, you have to make sure the brand is instantly recognizable. Yeah. To do that, you have to keep it the same until that becomes so. That, that yeah, that's like step nine, and we're on step two. You're, right, you're there, right. you know, trying, and so I was really glad that they said, okay, the color scheme for this is going to be this marble white with with blue and red. I'm glad the badge is not blue. That was I started to I started to have my like negative spiral of like this is going to be a catastrophe. This jersey is going to be no good. It's going to have a badge that's going to bother me every time I see it, which means for years, years and years, not even like during the, the two-year lifespan of this jersey being worn, but like people are going to have this at stadiums. Like I'm going to see this at like 45 years old and be like, oh, come on, man. Why did you buy that one? Um, and so I was worried. I was worried that this is going to be a years-long thing that I was going to be dealing with. They made that decision well. Um, and, and I think as a garment, as a shirt for a soccer team, I think it looks pretty good. I think as far as comparing it to the other MLS teams, it's going to be probably better, but we do live in that, that vacuum uh, of other MLS shirts. This is the thing we had with the black Jersey from last year, where on its own, I think it's actually a pretty good DC United Jersey. It's just that everyone has the exact same design and it reduces its impact quite a bit. I feel like I mean, you guys know about me and my shoes. One of the things I'm always looking for is the shoes that I don't want other people to have the shoes that I have. I don't want to see somebody else with my red 4ML ones. I don't want anyone to have them. I want to be the only person that has them on the planet. I might be one of the only people that has that particular shoe um, that hasn't worn them out at this point because I, sh- I got a pair that I've never even like put on my feet yet. No one's allowed to have them. Bur- bury- if I die, bury me in those shoes. Um, and with the but- template, with the template, like... Well, the th- thing th- that kind of reduced it is that Real Salt Lake came yes. out with their jersey an hour later, and it's the exact same thing. It has a right. different has different uh, sublimated uh, print, sublimated yeah. print on it, and they're like, "Yeah, this is designed by our supporters." And like Pablo tweets it out, and I'm like, "Pablo, like 
DC United didn't have to send you a jersey. Real Salt Lake sent it to you for them. Yes. Like it's the same thing. Yeah, and, and it's, it's the same kit provider. It's it can be you can coordinate and not have this happen. Uh, right. But instead, Adidas right. wants to coordinate this and is, make this happen over and over again. This is the um, the constant criticism of Adidas, right? Yeah, that they not only do they template really really heavily, which is something Nike is moving away from, but they they also you know really lean in along with MLS into the dark color white jerseys. You have to be dark or you have to be white. And there are very few teams that have two color jerseys um, anymore in MLS. And it's, it's, it's pretty lame. And I remember like even footy headlines, like put some clickbait up uh, earlier in the cycle saying Adidas and MLS moving away from white jerseys for, for 2021. And it, it turns out it's like, well, they're moving towards very light beige and, and off-white and eggshell. <laughs> and it's like, no, those are white. But those are but white they, jerseys. But we haven't even they're seen not, those. All right. those I mean, all we, the, the only one seen, that we've seen is LAFC. That's right. Which is everything which else is, has been white. Yeah, exactly. So in even this shirt, um, like they didn't run the pattern onto the back for some reason. The back is just white. And it's not like the very light gray that they used for the marble that you can only see in high contrast photos or when you're right up against it, it's not like that would conflict with any numbers on the back. So it's just, I, it feels like Adidas just, you know, going through the motions. Um, I think that you guys talked about how the concept is off for DC United specifically. Um, I had a friend who comment, who commented that this would be a really great audition for Adidas. Should they want the U S national teams contract? Like with four stars, it looks like a great women's national team jersey. Yo, don't don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Don't put don't put don't don't put me in the box like that. Give the man some peace. <laughs> but, I, I, but, I do want to say the execution okay. is also off. The like that that I have problems with the concept and then the execution. Like the marble, you can only see when you're right up on it. Like you said, Jason, if you're violating social distancing, they have a marble kit that gets pretty rave plaudits in Arsenal's jersey. Right now, their road jersey has a much closer up. Uh, you see the veins of the marble. Right? It's not We're, sublimated. It, yeah, it's but they, red. <laughs> yeah, you could do that with gray pretty easily. The same print. Uh, change it a little bit so it's not exactly the same, but make it gray and put whatever color sponsor logo and numbers you want on it. And it would look much better, I think, than the current one. I, I have problems with the concept that you guys went into, and I have problems with the execution. The blue shorts are fine. I have no problem with that. It's an away jersey. I thought that whatever. was a good touch. Um, yeah, yeah, it's I better too. than white. It's better than yeah. white shorts. If it if it were an all white top to bottom again, or, you know, I know the outgoing away had technically gray shorts, but uh, I mean, it they might were, as well have been 100% yeah. white. Um, no, I, I think the blue shorts to add some sort of visual contrast in there. Um, it's a decent shade of blue. I, I don't, it's not a shade or a blue where I'm like, I don't know about this. Um, it's not Navy straight out Navy, which yeah. I think is good. Cause we see just in American soccer in general, a lot of Navy and a lot of red. It doesn't always have to be those two. You could do other things. There's other shades of blue. Um, so yeah, I was glad about that. I was kind of let down by the socks uh, that were yeah. out there. Because Adidas White has socks. actually had good socks. It's like the one thing that they've gotten, they've done pretty well with some some MLS kits that were otherwise like, ah, the kit's mostly a shrug. I'm thinking of like Montreal frequently has excellent socks. Um, this was something we usually they usually have some good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is just like, they're just white socks with that 
that shade of blue that Adidas chose and it says DCU and that's it. And it's not terrible. It's just like, you know, there's a design element that could have been in there and instead it's it's not. But right. I mean, the team has likened these to the the cat in the hat jerseys, those those popular 98 third kits that um had they they were red, white and blue. They were blue in the torso and then red and white sleeves uh that were hooped and it wasn't the color scheme that people liked from from those. It was the brash loud hoops on the the sleeves. That's what people liked. They didn't call it the red, white and blue kit. They didn't call it the flag kit. They called it the cat in the hat. And that's why. Put some hoops on those socks, man. And yeah, you, have, you have a, a much better kit just by putting hoops on the socks. The socks are a major part of a kit. They always get underrated, but yeah, you can do a lot. You can save an, an, a mediocre kit with some good socks when, yeah. when they're actually when you're actually watching a game. I mean, most people are not wearing the socks to the game. Um, it is difficult to get. I don't even know if the team store sells team socks anymore. You used to have to go to the equipment. Well, they're sale. not even socks anymore in MLS. No, I, I yeah, I know. Um, yeah, but you know, sleeves. You used to be able to go to the equipment sale and like I would always get there. I always wanted to get one pair of game socks so that I could play in them. And then I would always get there too late. And what would be left is the when players had cut the feet off because the true socks had just started coming into uh, fashion. And so it would just be a bunch of like socks that players had cut but had not actually used. And you're like, well, that's I don't want that because um, <laughs> that's kind of the, the important thing is to wear the game sock for your foot itself. And that's the missing part. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, on one hand, everything Donald said about it, not being a DC kit is maybe the, the number one thing on my list, but it, as a kit in and of itself for just as a soccer team, it's not so bad. I thought it was going to be much worse. And so that's part of what's influencing my thought process is that it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And yes, the, the team did an, a pretty outstanding job of, positioning what it means um i did it did occur to me while we were talking that one other dc element with these colors that could have been thrown out there uh, or maybe expressly linked it's maybe more pertinent to what we're talking about on this this segment or the later in this segment you could have linked this with howard these are howard school colors um but and their soccer you know, team has lots of tradition right yeah um but if you then, haven't you know, watched uh, i don't know how movement. easy that is I, I don't know how easy that is for an mls team and a university with a D1 sports program to all of a sudden like make an explicit link between colors they chose. I don't know how easy that is. Maybe it's easy. Maybe it's not. But I mean, they did, the, they did the Virginia Tech kits back in what was that? 2007. Yeah, that yeah. was that was real quick. And it wasn't uh, yeah, as long as you're not using the yeah. players likenesses or, or paying the right. players or the players are getting any benefit in any way at Howard, then which is, you know, then the NCAA they should be, will be fine with it. This is not an NCAA podcast. Yeah. I do, want to, I do want to take this conversation in the direction that you knew I was going to take it. And, and I want to talk about the fact that this jersey, I think the most, the biggest complaint about it is that it's not cherry blossom pink and or yes. red. And here's the thing about where I say there's a lot of inconsistencies. It also starts at the top. It starts with Major League Soccer and Adidas because three years ago, Adidas and Major League Soccer did two things. They said that a red jersey is considered a dark color. And right. they said a red jersey is also considered a light color. So they told us, nope, you have a dark jersey. It's a, red, is a, red is a dark color. You can't use it. But when we played Toronto FC, 
And when we played New York Red Bulls, when they had the red jersey, it was always black versus red. Because in that moment, red all of a sudden became a light color. And I think that's where there needs to be, hey, what is this going to be? Because everyone can't be in black and white. Even even Columbus this year is getting rid of their yellow, which is the dumbest thing in the world. And they're making their black jersey the primary, and they're bringing in a white kit. Because for all the things that we've heard about, they're moving away from white kits. They have actually gained them this year because they've gained Austin, and now they're gaining Columbus. But at the same time, there are some elements of DC that would fit right in. You could make a navy or make a red and navy kit, like take this element, make the marble instead of white, make it red and flip everything around. Instant seller. People would adore it. If you had cherry blossom pink, I know this is ad nauseum. We've, we've talked about this on this podcast. We've talked about it in life. We talk about it in the streets. It, it's because we like buying stuff. We like, yeah. I like, you guys know People me, I love buy. jerseys. People want this cherry blossom kit on I their body. I want my money to – I don't like my money. I want it to be your money. And the way <laughs> you best can do that is to make a cherry blossom pink. And the, and the thing is, with just Jersey, I'm, I'm going to give them some free advice. They can bill me later. If they came out with some cherry blossom name sets for one game, they won't have to worry about these jerseys not selling because or people the buy numbers just for that. Yeah, with custom numbers custom like numbers. they used yep. to do with the, I mean, I'm wearing, I'm, as I'm speaking, I'm wearing the, the, uh, pride numbers where they've had the armed forces numbers. They've had, had the, you know, independence I had the American Day. flag numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've had all of those. And if the, and when those come out, people buy new jerseys just so they can get that name set on the back. If you come out with a cherry blossom one, it's game over. You, you still, you won't have as much license to print money, but you, you can have a U.S. mint at Audi field because there will be money. <laughs> registers registers will be flowing you won't know where to put it but you'll that's sell my point. out of those numbers yeah but the point is they have not they they have they're inconsistent with what they consider a light color because red has always been something we've asked for and we've never received it other than 20 2011 but for the pink side if people ask you beg you demand that you do something and they are consumers you should consider doing it because it's very simple rule. Yeah. If I'm telling you, I will give you all of my, and to his credit, Chris Seitz, uh, I don't know if you saw this yes. on Twitter. Chris Seitz yes. was like, yes, for a shoot, if you don't shoot, we'll, we'll, we'll wear pink. Like all the cool goalkeepers are in sell that. Yeah. We'll buy it. Like we love goalkeepers here or, or, you know, our one of our most revered players of all time is Bill Hamid. If you put out a goalkeeper Jersey, it does not matter what color it is. We will buy it. But if it's pink, people will buy two of them. Yeah. And, yeah. and like to this point, uh, one thing DC did do on their own um, that that I tweeted out, um, and I'm still getting like I'm still getting mentions on Twitter because of this because it's it's popular. This is why I'm bringing it up. Um, having Statehood 51 as a customization option with player names, um, people yeah, want to do this. Makes stuff. so much more sense as a Statehood shirt than a DC United shirt to me. Yeah, but, pe- the, but having the federal are- imagery. People are desperate to get this kind of touch, and that is a DC touch. That's not a Washington yes. touch. Um, and well, a couple reason- of years ago, when they did uh, when they did taxation without representation, you could. I, yeah. I mean, I got a jersey, and they're like, "Hey, you know, max max set of letters is 10. I said, "Can I get representation zero? And they go, "Oh, absolutely, we can do yeah, that. We will we'll break the rules for that." <laughs> and it became something that people were like. That makes it so much like such an easy thing, like DuPont zero, like or whatever circle that you live in, because we all live next to a circle, like whatever circle you want to do, put that on the back. Those are things that make can make 
a Washington jersey more DC. It won't make it all the way, but at least like the statehood thing is is low hanging fruit where they can say, hey, people people want this, and if we put it out there, someone will get this jersey if only to put that on the back. So I have a little bit of speculation about next year's kit because DC United's got a new home jersey. I know there are people in the front office from Pablo's reporting and and from other things I've heard through the grapevine that don't like the idea of a pink shirt for whatever reason. Like even Inter Miami doesn't have a pink shirt, even though they managed to make it one of their two colors. We don't have enough podcasts for them. Yeah, we should not do anything Inter Miami's doing. No, I got got stuff on them. They don't have a pink shirt. There's room in MLS for a pink shirt, an actual pink shirt, but it doesn't sound like DC United is going to do that. I wonder whether they put some pink touches on the next home jersey. It'll be a black shirt with some pink touches, and that'll be the cherry blossom kit. Honestly, I wonder if it's going to be the next home jersey. That's cool. Yeah, get that's fine. The cherry blossom kit. <laughs> it won't be pink, but it'll be a cherry right. blossom kit. Look, it, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. But the fact is, they even it's almost like they're thumbing their fingers at us. When they take bit. pictures with cherry blossoms yes. in the pictures, and you make sh- and all the stuff is like, I mean, I didn't even notice it at first, but all of a sudden Twitter was like, "Oh, that's a nice picture of the jersey in a cherry with blossom cherry picture," blossom. which you're just basically toying with us at this point. So, like, that's that's the idea is they clearly hear it, they clearly see the chatter. Well, somebody in the organization other t- hears it and yeah. and wants and wants to honor it pretty clearly. Yeah, but- and, the, and the people and the people like if you think about it, like Philadelphia. Their jersey, their secondary jersey came about because they listened to Twitter and they said, okay, you know, smart, smarty pants, get into a room and make a better jersey. And they did. And they yep. gave them that opportunity to do that. I, and I've said, hey, if you want to do that, we'll, we'll call in about like six or seven people, have a coalition of the willing and knock this thing out the park. Right. But I'm not asking that you do that. I'm just asking that you listen. And it's yes. clear that they're, that they're seeing it. They're just not listening to it. They're just kind of taking the elements and kind of right. dangling it as a carrot. And we keep move, trying to get us to move through it. It's but at a certain point, step. people are going to stop. People are going to stop eating carrots. Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a, this could be a situation as simple as like, and the dy- we don't know the dynamic here. Like, it could be that DC United was like, hey, listen, uh, all of our people are yelling at us nonstop about cherry blossoms. And Adidas is like, I've never heard of cherry blossoms. What is that? Uh, don't, don't even tell me. Uh, here's your kit for, for next year. Good luck. Um, Didn't they literally make a cherry blossom shoe for John Wall? Mm-hmm. Well, that's different. They li- they listen to John Wall's like, I would like this to have cherry blossom. They're like, whatever you want, John. Um, but you know, uh, maybe when DC calls Adidas, I'm I'm being trying to be as generous as possible to the team because there are people listening, and they d- like th- those cherry blossoms don't have to be there. They were there t- just today with um, uh, photos of Nevada as well. They're keeping it around, so, so the team hears it. They, they it's not us yelling into the void like it. It's being heard and someone's like, we got to do something about this. It's just, how do you take that and move it over to some, some of Adidas's desk is opening up whatever design program they've got. And they're like, okay, what can I do with this image of like cherry blossoms on a branch? What can I do? I got to go back. I got to go back and read the article, but I'm not sure that this is Adidas's fault. I think this is the team's fault. I think Adidas presented the Jersey to him and the team said, guys won't buy it or the team will, or players won't. I mean, there's the nuggets from I think that's correct. nuggets yeah, like that's the players true. won't wear it. And I'm like, the players clearly want to wear it because they're out here on Twitter saying, give us the jersey, we'll wear it. Have you seen and Eric also, Sorga's clothing choices? Like right. Eric Sorga would love to have what they be wearing. Pink. 
they have they Although, all have Instagrams. Like we know, we know what they be wearing. <laughs> Ethan, the the former head of the team store who now works at I, I at least last I checked, he worked at Fanatics. He he straight up said on Twitter, like in response to us, that he asked Daniel Woolard, or no, not oh, Daniel Chris Woolard, Corb, Chris Corb yeah. specifically about a pink jersey, and Chris Corb said nobody will ever wear it. And so he no, he's like, this is soccer. No one no one's going to wear pink in soccer. And so. Nathan pulled up pictures of Man United wearing pink and and Juventus wearing pink. And, yeah, who Never mind this? that Palermo's main color is pink. Um, and Corb just walked out of the room. <laughs> I think there is there's an element of uh, American toxic masculinity that just doesn't like pink, and we're growing past it. Yeah, but there are still some people, especially in sports, who feel this way. And we just got to bowl them over. We just got to run them over with a big pank truck and and it, get our not, jersey so we can give the team our money. Literally every other sport in America sells something pink to Major men baseball is a whole month. and to women. Football is a whole month. They even they even they sold so much pink that the other colors got jealous, and so they said, "Yo, we want to be part of this month too." So now it's mostly pink, and then they have like a little bit of rainbow strings of orange and, and yellow and blue, and blue. But like every other sport wears pink. It's not like this is some foreign thing that we're trying to introduce. Like it's working in Europe, bring it here. No, this is working here, and it went to Europe. Like that's how that worked. Except for Palermo. Palermo was the the outlier. Like Real Madrid wasn't wearing pink. In like 1996, they're wearing like dark colors, and then someone was like, "Hey, over here in America, they be selling pink out the sh- off the shelves. Like they can't get, they can't stock them quick enough." And they're like, "Well, let's try it." It becomes one of their best selling jerseys, and all of a sudden, pink is is sort of in the rotation now. So that is, it's one of those things where this is the only sport where it all of a sudden is like no one will ever buy it. We buy it in everything else we do. So why would this be different? Like, we, and we're asking for it. Like, it's not like we're asking it for it, and then you give it to like, hey, psych, we're not, we're not buying it. No, if you give me, uh, listen to me, DC United. If you listen to this podcast, whoever's listening makes decisions. If you make a cherry blossom jersey that is pink, I promise you, I will buy one for each of the starting lineup. I could have a starting lineup of jerseys, and y'all know this is not an idle threat. Because there was a point where my name set was one of the best selling on the team because I used to buy my shit all the time. Yeah. So if you if you put out a cherry blossom jersey, I will buy one for an entire starting lineup. Might give some away. I don't need to wear eleven jerseys, but I could. I will have that option because you gave it to me. All you gotta do is give it to me. Give me the option. I don't think I'm gonna top that. So we're gonna move on. <laughs> it was clearly the right decision to take the break where we did to avoid an hour long segment. Uh, but we'll see how long we can go on this one because uh, this next subject is is worth talking about as as long as we have breath. Uh, it's February, and that means our friend Donald Wine the Second here is writing 28 soccer stories for Black History Month over at Stars and Stripes FC, where he's the co-manager. Uh, we're going to boost those stories tonight because we have a platform, and that makes it our responsibility to boost Black voices. And and Donald is one of those voices. So uh, let's jump into it, Donald. Um, I I guess we'll start close to home. You interviewed Danita Johnson, DC United's Mm -hmm. brand new president, the first black president uh, in major league soccer history. It was a great interview. Uh, It was on your podcast. You also wrote it up for, for the site. I commend anyone to go read it or to go listen and, or read um, 
go go listen to that interview because it's it's the best interview of Danita Johnson I've heard. Um, Thank just, you. I mean, it, it's it, kind of it wild is. how that I've, it's kind of wild how that came interview. about though. Uh, I mean, shout oh, out yeah? to Jason. Yeah, shout out to Jason because he gave me the you know, the contacts of who to get in touch with. Like, I kind of knew, but it was like, hey, who do I talk to? And he even gave me the, like, hey, talk to this guy, but also include this guy because this guy will respond. And, and sure enough, that's the person who responded. And I'm thinking this is going to be something that over the course of a few days we'll kick around some dates and times. This thing was set up in 20 minutes. And it. so thank you to the team for making that possible. And, and thank you to Jason for for giving me the you know the contact and and making that happen because honestly i was expecting it to be something where i could hopefully get it in and 20 minutes later i was like oh i guess i have i have to clear my thursday because i'm this is happening so uh, it was really wild how that came about but i'm really glad it did and she you know as you as you guys were able to listen to it it's it's an incredible interview she's so engaging and she really i mean there there was no I didn't have to edit anything. It wasn't like she had to think of an answer and you know think about how she's going to approach it. As soon as the question was asked, she knew how to approach it, what what level that she had to do, and even how she had to explain it to her audience because she knew that she didn't know entering this that this was not a DC United specific audience. This was a broader audience that may not know who she is. So we we did a lot about her background and and things like that. So it was great to to do that, and I'm glad that she's very open and responsive to some of the things that a lot of people have been calling for. Uh, and, and I think she's the mind that can help bring about some of this change or, or continue some of these conversations to make sure that DC United is the leader when it comes to uh, promoting change in this country and not the followers. Yeah. I, I mean, I just want to throw in that, like, if you like, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to feel good about DC United if you want to feel optimistic, I mean, yes, the business side of the organization is not necessarily what brings you in the door. But if you want to feel good about the business side of DC United, this is the, what Donald's talking about. This is the podcast that you need to listen to because uh, it will make you feel better about the direction of the team. Uh, so, yeah, if you're wondering, oh, what's the roster going to be like? Are we going to win any games? You know, this might help you feel a little better about that. Um, so even if you're not necessarily super into sports business, if you just want to watch people kicking a ball, this will make you feel better about the people that are going to show up and kick the ball for the team that you want to win. Right. If you want to feel better about DC United on the business side, if you want to feel better as a human being who supports DC United as an organization, listen to Donald's interview with Danita Johnson, because um, it's, it's really good stuff. And I mean it when I say it's the best interview I've heard. Um, it's, it's definitely the, the realist and the most in depth that I, that I've heard and um, props to you and props to Danita for, for, for that chat you had and recorded and we're lucky enough to listen to it. No, I appreciate that. Really do. I also, um, while, I mean, while we're talking about things that you've done, uh, for, I mean, stars and stripes FC has been, it's been a, it's a month long thing. You've not, it's not the first time. Um, the third, right. This is the third year you've done it. This is the third full year that I've done it. I, I they had one year where I didn't do it just cause there was things going on that pre- precluded me from actually, going full you know full into it uh but i rebooted it last year and now this year i mean there's 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 still a panorama outside so i was like i I still i have time to Mm -hmm. to devote to this and even in this time where it's a little bit it's a lot busier when it comes to just promoting this and doing other stuff in other areas with you know you guys know with the american outlaws i'm doing stuff there um so it's been busier but uh the the stories haven't 
even I, I thought that after a few years it would be harder to come up with stories, but I'm glad that I'm focusing on some of the stories this year because there's still history being written. Danita Johnson is a prime example of that. And the fact that there's history that was written just last year for a lot of these stories, I'm like, great. These are stories that are worth talking about in, you know, not, we don't just need to promote the history that was, we need to promote the history that's taking place right now. And I think that has been a lot of the focus of some of the stories that I've done this year so far. Well, let's get into that right now because you, you wrote about black players for change, which formed last year in the wake of George Floyd's murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to to witness that, but I'm not black. I don't experience like these events as a black person. You do. And you got to write about that. Yeah. It, the, that was the most important story I think I've written for the series ever. Um, because when it happened, it was at, in a, you know, I kind of get a little emotional still kind of, recalling that time back because as you guys know that was a very emotional time not just for black people i mean us especially but like you guys lived it too yeah we we all live in the district where Mm -hmm. literally you know three blocks from me it was a it was a you know military occupation of the city so we had to experience some of that kind of feeling together it may have been different but for us we had some similar things where we can kind of say hey we we had to endure that as a city together and part of that was with that emotion came the idea of like, how do you go on? How do you manifest this into something good? And the idea that, you know, I had been involved in some of the conversations with black journalists and, and other influencers from across the country, across the pond in England. And all of a sudden these players are like, Hey, we want to do something and we need, we need help in, in kind of fleshing out an idea that we had. And so I was lucky enough to be able to sit in on some of these conversations that they had uh, on the higher level about how to form this coalition and how to make it work. And so when that happened at the MLS's back tournament, that opening scene where they did the eight minute, 46 second demonstration, silent demonstration, it, I knew that that was something that would go down in history, period, not soccer history, not black history, history. That would be something that, I mean, it led ESPN. It led, it was in the front of the New York Times. It was, you know, on every newspaper, every media outlet across the country and even across the pond. There were people across the pond, like players who were coming to this group that I was a part of. And they were like, how do we do what you just did? Because they won't let us do that over here. And it spawned a lot of conversations. It sparked a lot of debate and back and forth. And even just people saying, yo, it was clear we thought we were doing enough and it's clear by this demonstration that we need to do a lot better. And so I wanted to write about that because it was such a poignant moment in history for me. And I think even for anyone at DC on a, on a local level, like, because again, some of that emotion that they experienced is the same emotion that we experienced. I mean, protests were going on across the country, but no one had their city took over right. by one of its most famous resident at the time. So that is something that, you know, really, and you could tell, you know, Bill Hamid was at the forefront of things. O'Neill Fisher was at the forefront of things. You know, C, you know, COA was like walking and, and taking care of himself. And, you know, we're all sitting there like, hey, guys, like, make sure you stay safe. And, you know, all those emotions that you kind of piece together, we had it, at, you know, in bushels. And we had to kind of compartmentalize that and also mm-hmm. try to figure out how to focus yeah. on what we were doing. So it was a great, great thing. And, and I knew 
that when this series came back up, that that was one of the first things I wrote down. It was just a matter of what day I wanted to write about it. Yeah, I, I, th- I think back to um, us, we, we, you know, we got to talk to Chris Odorichem about, I think it was roughly uh, not too long after um, the protests. It was, it was pretty shortly after. Um, and we also, the team made sure to uh, make players available. Um, so, you know, Earl Edwards Jr., the reality on the roster was that he's third choice. We didn't get to talk to him very much in, during COVID. We didn't get to talk to him at all because you can't go to training and, and ask him, hey, do you have a few minutes after training? Um, but they made sure to make him available. And he talked extensively about this. And he talked about how there was a dynamic in place in MLS where even after that moment that, you know, like Donald just said, we're talking about the New York Times Sports Center. MLS doesn't get in those places on a day-to-day basis or even on a year-to-year basis. Um, so it did make a huge impact, but it's also like, what are you doing the next day? Um, and how I, I I think back a lot on what um, Earl told us, which was that DC United has done a really good job. The league, he was like, I'm still waiting to hear back. Uh, I don't what I don't know what's next. Um, no one's talking to us. So, um, you know, I I think about that a lot because like. Is MLS like okay? So maybe MLS did like they heard maybe they heard that and like oh we have to get on the ball here again we you know we're dropping the ball immediately. Um, well now it's a few months later. Are they gonna is twenty twenty one? Are they still gonna be active on this stuff? Um, or is it like well we did that thing last year and that's kind of the end of it. Um, so what I really want to ask Donald is like I know you're active on these things. Have you heard anything? Like I, I mean maybe there's stuff you can't spill the beans on. But like, have you heard from people within the team or the league uh, indicating that this wasn't just a great moment that the league then kind of let fall by the wayside? I haven't heard anything yet. We were, you know, a few of us were actually going to have a call to kind of talk over things. Uh, We hadn't caught up in a minute. It's just been, you know, a whirlwind of of stuff that's been happening. It seems like every Wednesday, the world implodes in a certain segment of life um especially here but uh we were trying to meet this week but it just didn't work out and so i think because of that we haven't gotten an update but it sounds like that things are moving i will say the the black players for change in particular they're going to go down as some some legends because Mm -hmm. they spawned other coalitions usl has one now the nwsl has one the Premier League across the pond, they kind of took their cues from this uh, from this coalition and just how they approach things. The Premier League released their whole you know thing for Black History Month about what they're planning on doing. It falls flat in some areas, in some areas it doesn't. MLS has done the same thing. DC United has come out with some like, hey, we're still going to do these initiatives. We ain't stopping with them. Uh, and to their credit, they've carried those conversations on uh, throughout since you know since June uh, or since late May, uh, but. I think when it comes to black press change and now they're, they're talking about doing many pitches across the nation. Um, they're going to do two here in DC one. Mm-hmm. I think one is um, uh, for Jeremy Obobese, uh They'll do one for Bill Hamid out in Annandale. And then I think one of the, I think Amani Dorsey um, will also do one here for the, the, in, uh, the black women's mm-hmm. players collective. Um, so I, I think those things like they're doing so much and they're doing it without a f- real organization. They're doing it while also having to figure out MLS collective bargaining agreements and when they're going to play. And then when they were actually playing and doing this, like 
those guys were probably, I know Justin Morrow was probably up 20 hours a day because he would, he would train, he would play, and then he would deal with this. So people, I don't, I think they kind of underestimate what effort these guys have been doing and how committed they really are to this. Uh, But it's really showing in some of the strides that they have taken and they've forced the leagues and teams to take. Uh, But I know they would agree with me when I say that the league has to do a lot better. Some of the teams are doing well. Some of the teams aren't. But the league has to be the ones that engineer this and say, hey, this is what we as a a whole league is going to do. And that includes all of you teams, you know, all of these initiatives that they're doing. They have to be the ones that are spurring this. And it can't be where they're just taking suggestions and acting upon it. They need to come up with initiatives too and say, hey, guys, before we have some ideas, we want to make sure that these are okay with you. That's how this works. It shouldn't be just us you know, giving a list as black people, giving a list of demands and they go, ah, we'll take care of this one. And maybe this one and that, and, and the rest we'll think about this has to be a, a two way street. And right now it seems like from what I've heard from the players, it's a one way street. They're coming, they're going to the league for stuff. The league is not initiating any of these conversations. Yeah. Uh, on this podcast, we've been pretty harsh on the owners for their, their treatment of the players during the CBA negotiations and the whole invocation of force majeure. Uh, and, and the union there, they, they made a statement that it feels very transactional, their relationship with the league right now. And Don Garber, I think in a very tone deaf way said, no, this isn't just transactional. Look, look at our relationship with black players for change and, and their continued involvement. And it's like, yeah, ask them how they feel. They say it's transactional. (laughs) Yeah. You're doing this for a PR stunt. They want actual equity in this and it's it says it in the name for change for change yeah and it's just like when don i I think it was don garber that said that i i might be wrong it might have been just someone else from the league but it was just the most tone deaf uh wrong thing to say in response to that specific criticism it was just like no this this is proof of the point not not a refutation and it's yeah it's really unfortunate yeah i i think i did want to touch on one story that i put out of over the weekend or i guess i guess it was a couple of days ago uh that sparked something that i think is important to talk about and i know the premier league has really started to focus in on online abuse and you know just social media people just kind of going after players and 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 other in other people well they go after people like me too um yeah. it's you know you guys have seen it it's 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 been local it's been national and so I put out a story the other day about Maurice Adu and his goal that should have been in the 2010 World Cup. And I got some hate mail for it. And the hate mail said basically that I was racist for insinuating that Mo was robbed because he was black. If the guy had read my piece, he could read the entire article. There was probably 1,100 words in that article. Black is not one of them. Black is not featured at all. I mentioned the fact that he should have been given the glory he should have been considered a world cup hero it's a moniker that very few people on earth get to hold a world cup hero he won a world cup on the last five minutes of the game for his country he should have had that glory it was taken away from him and the problem with that part is there's two things that are mentioned for for most part mo in the general sense of American soccer fans. He's considered a fringe player that kind of did stuff, but kind of didn't. And that's unfair because he should be, because if he scores that goal, the greatest goal in U S soccer history is not viewed as such because the landing down of a goal doesn't make 
any difference at that point because we're right. our, it's just a goal that sends us through. It's not the goal that sends brings us from the brink of death to the next round and winning the group. So that goal diminishes in importance if Mo's goal is counted. And he's viewed as a guy that's kind of like, yeah, well, he just wasn't a good player. Like, you know, I'm glad he's off the team. No, he was a dynamite player that honestly, that should have been his pinnacle, but it should have also been the fact that it would have further defined the fact of how great a player that he was for our national team. And he should have gotten a lot more credit for that. And I think the other part is there's still a segment of this population in this country that thinks that black history month is meant to draw attention to stories that only happen because the players or people were black. And that is not what this is about. The idea is that black history is American history. And the fact that I presented a story during black history month as American history was turned into a black moment by someone who only wanted to see that it was someone who was black. And the idea was like, no, these guys are American heroes. These guys are World Cup heroes. I didn't mention the word black in any part. And I didn't even mention that he was a black guy. Because when you look at his picture, you know who he is. But at the same time, that shouldn't have been like people. I'm glad that people reached out and, and you know, were like, hey, this is dumb. Like, Mo was great. Mo liked the tweet and, uh, and liked the story. And, and part of this is I lead the story because one of the former coaches for the national team, I won't give his name away, uh, but you might be able to deduce which one I'm talking about. He emailed me. He somehow found my email, emailed me and said, I really appreciated you writing this article. It was a great time and sent us a picture. They sent me a picture of the team meeting Nelson Mandela at the Nelson Mandela cup that they played after the world cup in November of 2010. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought it was great because one, he didn't have to do that. But also the fact that he liked it, that Mo said he liked it, that Josie tweeted it out. I want these stories about the players, if anything, to do the players justice. And it makes me feel good that if I write a story, if they like it enough, that they'll tweet it out. Like, you know, I did one the other, yesterday and Tony Sana, and he tweeted it out this morning. Like, that's it's not because I want them to tweet out. It's because I want the story to do justice about their career and about or that moment. I want them to be able to say, like, yes, this is absolutely representative of how that transpired or how my career transpired. And thank you for bringing light to that because I want to bring light to these, to these players. And so I thought it was nice that they were able to do that. They shouldn't have had to. Yeah. And it's because some dude took it upon himself to say that Mo is not worth writing a story about because he's just a black player and his, and his blackness wasn't the reason why he was robbed. And I'm like, that does that that defeats the point. But I think some of these stories that I'm focused on are focused on for that reason, but also because some of these guys are are writing history as we speak, and I want to highlight them. And I think this year has been a lot more as we record on Tuesday. Wednesday's story will be about Weston McKinney wearing his armband in the face of getting fined and suspended by the Bundesliga mm-hmm. and saying, screw it, I'm gonna do this anyway because it's the right thing to do. And so those sort of things were they're being asked, our guys are being asked to do a lot. Our ladies are being asked to do a lot. And they're not getting the respect for it. And so hopefully by these series, with all these stories that I write, and I'll continue to write them as long as they need to be written, um, I hope that they are getting at least some of the respect that they deserve, at least some of the, the kudos or some of the praise or some of the glory. Because right now they're not. And I think that's the real shame of things, that the series has to be written 
because I took it upon myself to do a journey of learning more about these stories and deciding to write it so other people can read it too. I'm glad that people are on this journey, but this journey needs to be about more than just the stories. It needs to be about promoting them and amplifying them and making sure that when Mo walks down the street or walks into a tailgate, if he happens to be working for Fox or something at a DC United game and he walks into the stadium, that people stop and be like, man, that's Mo Adu, my man. Like, he, yeah, I know he, he destroyed us when he was with the union, but that's family. Bring him in. Like, that's what we should be focusing on. And I know the players deep down, I think a lot of them feel that way too. I I just want to add, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm on board with everything you just said. I, I want to add on the Tony Sané story, since this is a DC United podcast, um, you know, we think of DC United, we always talk about trophies because we haven't had a lot to talk about in recent times. Tony Sané scored the 1997 MLS Cup match winner, uh, the first goal in 96. Um, so when you think about like the great goals, the most important goals the team's ever had, it's Tony Sané and Eddie Pope are like one and two yep. in terms of scoring those goals. As they much both as, scored like, in the 98 Inter-American Cup. Yeah. Final. You know, as much as like, you know, Jaime Moreno scored the most, and obviously he's got his incredibly vital goals too. But like, let's not forget about Eddie Pope and Tony Sané. And and I put that Tony Sané story in uh, Freedom Kicks today. And, you know, people should, I hope you read it there. If you didn't read it there, go to Stars and Stripes. It's, they're all there. Go read them. Um, because this isn't just, American history or U.S. soccer history or soccer history, like it is. If you're listening to this podcast, this is pertinent to you. Uh, this matters to you. Maybe you weren't around in the '90s. Most people weren't uh, for for this team, and you probably missed these moments. And I, I just thought it was really awesome to read about Tony Sané, DC United player, that made my day. Yeah, and that's what it's about, right? Like the, even some of these stories, I learn. I learn stuff too. It's not like where I'm just sitting there like trying to wax poetic and hope you guys hope you guys you know learn a little thing or two this is my journey i'm just mm -hmm. bringing you guys along for it and i'm learning along the way too about it. and there's some stories where i'm like hey i know the story i want to relive it i just want to kind of and you may learn new nuggets or do details you may see something you're like oh i forgot this happened so you can learn and relearn and honestly you can unlearn sometimes you can unlearn that Moadu was a French player and learned the fact that no, he should have been revered and he mm -hmm. still should be revered and he should be, Absolutely. you know, in a much higher stature among men's national team players that he is. Tony Sano should also be in that category. He was the best player at the 2002 World Cup. And, you know, in, in addition to being a DC United hero, he is a US national team hero. He, you know, he had two chances where he was, you know, inches close from that Germany game being instead of a one, no one, nil loss being a two, one victory. And we're mm -hmm. on to the semifinals of the 2002 world cup. So those sort of things, like, you know, I want to highlight those players. I want to highlight some of these moments and stories. Uh, and even some of the teams that people don't know about, like, you know, on Valentine's day, I did one on Accra hearts of Oak. I did it on Valentine's day because their name is hearts. It makes sense, but it's also about a team in a country that, yeah, we know about from the national team, did you know they had a hundred year history? Most people don't. And I didn't either. I thought they had, you know, come around, you know, Kaiser chiefs based on the Atlanta chiefs from the old mm -hmm. NASL, a guy named Kaiser said, I want to start a team back home. And he took the chiefs with him and informed that like those sort of stories where I knew how, yes, they may be linked, but I didn't know how this is part of that journey too. So it's all about all of us learning. It's all about us 
relearning some of these things. And again, like I mentioned, unlearning some of the societal norms that have made these stories not elevated the way they should be. Uh, I want to encourage all our listeners to go to Stars and Stripes FC and just read three years worth of Black History Month posts from Donald because they're every one of them is is worth reading and and needs to be read and spread. Um, so so please, if you're listening to us, go go do that. Read one, read t- 28, read three years worth, um, however much time you have. Donald, thank you for for giving us your time. Um, both to co-host the first segment and first half of this segment and, and to, to tell us about your journey on black history month for those listeners who don't follow you online, where can they find you? Uh, I am at blazing DW, uh, on Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, obviously Twitter. I'm very much all over the place. Um, these, uh, stars and stripes FC, uh, as, as Adam mentioned, there is a hub for all the black history month articles on the front page this month. So you can go all the articles I try to release around noon every single day, uh, just so there's something to read during your lunch hour. Uh, but of course, if you know news drops, we it may you know go back an hour or two. But right around noon every day, there's a new article uh, on the page, uh, so you can check those out there. And honestly, when when this panini is over uh, and we can go back to games, most of you guys know you can catch me at Audi Field for most of the games. So uh, hopefully, in a safe manner. Right now, six feet. Uh, for, for all of you. Uh, but uh, until until that day, uh, at Blazing UW on Twitter is where you can find me. And definitely check out uh, the Stars and Stripes FC podcast as well, which Donald hosts. Uh, it's definitely worth listening to, not just the episode with Danita Johnson. If you're into the U.S. national teams, uh, that that's the place to go. Find us, of course, at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com that goes especially if you're a potential sponsor find us on uh wherever you get your podcasts download subscribe rate review uh i'm told all of those actions are important so please engage in as many of them as you are comfortable and willing to do mostly though tell a friend about the show tell them about this great conversation with donald tell them about uh jason's helmet just tell them to listen to the podcast that's the way to go uh this is the way this is the way uh for for jason and thanking donald one more time i'm adam we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason this is the way i feel like you've never seen the show because you don't know how to say it